0: You've seen the best. You've seen the worst. Now here's the rest of both worlds. I'm Gayfesh. What has two thumbs and doesn't give a crap about nanites? Hi, Bob Kelso. Nice to meet you.
1: And I'm Ari, and I'm afraid I have no time to answer one million questions. I have a mission to accomplish.
0: And today we will be discussing the Star Trek The Next Generation episodes Evolution and the Ensigns of Command. But one beautiful thing that just happened... Uh, to welcome us back from our break is that Fox News published an article titled Star Trek writers take Starship Enterprise where it's never gone before woke politics
1: So I have not read this article yet. I just saw my friend took a screenshot of the article and posted it on his stories on Insta or whatever, and was like LMAO of like 12 O's or whatever.
0: It is the funniest thing. I've only seen people reacting to just the headline itself, but I read it and it's even funnier. Uh, (laughs) So I figured let's go ahead and read it before we get into our episodes. I think so. (laughs) The first thing I noticed is that it is an opinion piece by David Marcus, which is the name of Kirk's son from the movies. Oh, now that's a coincidence. This is a real guy named David Marcus. That's his real name. He didn't pick that pseudonym so that he could get more Star Trek credit. He just happens to be named after Kirk. He just happens to have the same name as Kirk's son. That's so,
1: so weird. Maybe that's why he chose Kirk as the picture for the because I was like, what a weird
0: person well, to Kirk choose. Is, no, Kirk is Star Trek. That's that's yeah, fine. I guess. Yeah. OK, so let's get started. There is no more quintessential American story universe than Star Trek. Since its creation in 1966, the franchise has had myriad iterations on big screen and small, basically invented the sci-fi convention, and has charmed audiences across every generation. But in two recent episodes, writers crossed a line where no Star Trek has gone before. That is to say, they got directly involved in partisan politics. Are you kidding me? This yeah. is the first time they've gotten involved in partisan. OK, let, let's let him set his case. The first okay. blatant example of electioneering on Star Trek Discovery. That's an was interesting a cameo by current and former Georgia gubernatorial candidate Stacey Abrams as none other than the president of Federation of Planets. Ooh, wrong. No, she was the president of Earth. The president of the Federation was a human-Cardassian-Bajoran hybrid. So Interesting. Got that wrong. So they're wrong. Yeah. The second was a weird plot twist in the pilot of new show Strange New Worlds, in which the 2020 Capitol riot is depicted and blamed for starting a second American Civil War and the destruction of the planet. To put it more succinctly, Orange Man bad. I- <laughs> So I'm I'm curious, uh, David Marcus, are, are you in favor of January sixth? Are you that's what he that seems riot? to be
1: saying here?
0: Are, yeah. Or, or, or to put it another way, do you think Trump is responsible for January sixth?
1: Also, it was the 2021 Capitol riot, wasn't it? Oh, uh, yes, he was correct. elected in. So this guy now has like two or three factual inconsistencies and we're in the
0: introduction still. <laughs> there are two factual incur- inaccuracies just in that paragraph.
1: I watched Strange New Worlds, but it was a few weeks ago. Did uh-huh. they really say that the that the January 6th insurrection?
0: Yes, actually. Okay. When I,
1: I can't remember it at this point. You know, I'm really bad with memorizing things.
0: When Pike beams into their little summit. He shows the like a montage of things leading up to World War II, And one of them shows the Capitol riots. Oh, with the, uh, the yeah, guillotine, that's right. OK, or not the guillotine, but the, the gallows that they had erected for Mike Pence. Right. So, yeah, no, it was very, very clear. So he's not wrong that Star Trek is being political here. Mm-hmm. But OK, here we go. To be fair, since the original 1960s series, Star Trek has always delved into cultural and societal issues. It has always been credited with diverse castes, with tackling issues like saving the whales. Remember that?
1: Everyone remembers
0: that. <laughs> and with reflecting American and global foreign policy. What? I mean, no, he's actually true. Yeah. Um, that's That's fair. Okay. Yeah. All of that should live long and prosper. But these two recent incidents go a good deal farther. This isn't issue advocacy. It's pure partisan politics.
1: And then there's the worst picture of of William Shatner I've ever seen. Oh, God.
0: Yeah. No, it's like he's got a cold sore on his mouth. What What, what is that? (laughs) That
1: is a terrible picture. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like he was in a fight and he's drunk or something.
0: Anyway, this is part of a broader galaxy of problems, as we saw recently with Disney, which owns Star Wars, going to battle with Florida Governor Rod DeSantis. It says Rod DeSantis, not Ron DeSantis. It sure does. (laughs) Which I should say Disney didn't. Like Disney was supporting basically every single Republican... A politician in Florida And then they just decided Okay we're going to stop Supporting any politicians In Florida altogether As a way to wash Their hands of it And that's when The Republicans freaked out
1: They tried to be less political And the Republicans Were like oh no yeah. <laughs>
0: The central confusion here is the difference between showing broad support for things like basic civil rights and openly advocating for one political party's answers for securing them. Well, here's the problem, David. The Republicans aren't advocating for basic civil rights. They're advocating to erode them. There is Uh only one party that makes any kind of advocacy for civil rights. And I do think that the Democrats f***ing suck at it, but they're the only f***ing option. Yep. So, for example, almost everyone supports voting rights, but that isn't the same as Why supporting... Why is that in
1: quotes? He says, so, for example, almost everyone supports voting rights, but that isn't the same as supporting Stacey Abrams. Why did he put voting rights in quotes?
0: Well, because he doesn't support people's right to vote. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. Almost everyone condemns the Capitol riot and political violence. Um, I'm pretty sure Ted Cruz got, like, mega canceled by the Republicans for condemning the Capitol riot. But, yeah, okay. I'm pretty sure, too. But that's not the same. And placing unique blame on one single event from one side of the spectrum. Okay, well, d- who, which side of the spectrum did the Capitol riot? Like, and wasn't on, that David? a
1: montage of things that caused the World War Three or whatever? It's so yeah, it, it was, was like one thing that happened that caused it. they the the, the episodes didn't say that it was a single event from one side of the spectrum.
0: And I gotta say that episode, like Pike's speech about how the the Second Civil War came about. He was not like blaming one side. He said it was everyone's inability to communicate with each other instead of fighting. Like right. the way he said it, it was a very liberal, very oh, why can't we all just sing kumbaya kind of a uh, analysis of the situation. So like, but the, because it happens to show the Capitol riot, which like, if there is does happen to be a civil war, like that's going to be chapter one in the history books of it. Like, come on, right anyway
1: uh, yeah i
0: know this this article is something um... ultimately the problem here is that this kind of political signaling is alienating for those fans who are not part of the democrat party political tribe as a fan myself it hasn't made me turn off the shows but it's jarring and also breaks the narrative spell of fantasy and science fiction which is why people tune in in the first place dude Star Trek has always said that the 21st century was when humanity completely f***ed themselves, and we're in the 21st century right now, and things are pretty bad. It makes sense that Star Trek would be talking about that, not just in Strange New Worlds, but Star Trek Picard this season took place in 2024 and called out ICE directly for its racism Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, Star Trek has always done this. It's always said things are going to get worse before they get better. And when things are getting worse in real life and Star Trek is supposed to be our future, it makes sense that they would adjust it. Yeah, it feels very much like the writers and creators of the new line of Star Trek shows, which also includes Picard, don't think just writing a good TV show is important enough work. Like so much of corporate America, they think they have to save the country and the planet while they do it. Leave the planet saving for the fictional starship Enterprise. (laughs)
1: What does that mean? The whole point of saving the whales was to bring awareness. Like, the whole point of these things is to bring it into our lives. It's not to watch them fix it on screen while we watch all the whales die and the ice caps melt. Like, that's the point is to bring it to our attention. Like...
0: (laughs) I I, I care more about the real world than I do about Star Trek. And in Star Trek four, humpback whales had gone extinct by that time. And then Mm -hmm. they made that movie. And I'm not saying that Star Trek saved the whales, but it was part of that movement. And now humpback whales are no longer an endangered species.
1: Right. Because it impacted the real world. Yeah, Exactly.
0: I'm a big Star Trek fan, but I'm not so big a Star Trek fan that I want World War Three to happen.
1: Right. No one wants World War Three to happen except for the people writing articles like this.
0: The irony is that all three new Star Trek live action shows are quite progressive in the diversity of their casting. And despite hysterical concerns about a backlash that never actually happens, everyone is on board as long as the story and the acting are good. Bullshit, (laughs) dude. I have seen so many people complain every single time Any TV show, any movie casts a woman or a black man. I have seen Fandom Menace YouTube channels that when Captain Marvel came out, they made a hundred videos about Brie Larson, literally a hundred videos. I have seen people complain all over the place about how Star Trek is too woke now when like, no, there was an episode of the original series in the 60s that got banned from Alabama because Kirk kissed Uhura. Yeah, that was the first scripted interracial kiss on national television and Alabama was like oh that's too political for us like this isn't something new dude
1: it's not at all it's so weird how old is this person like
0: 4 i looked <laughs> i think he's like 49 i looked him up jeez okay artists can always have and should use their work to hold a mirror up to their culture and society even to advocate for broad agenda items What they shouldn't do is beam the equivalent of a 32nd Democrat Party political ad into the middle of a space adventure. Now, here, I'm going to give him a little tiny, teeny, tiny bit of credit. I did think bringing Stacey Abrams onto the show was a little bit cringe, but seeing Ted Cruz freak out about it made it worth it. it. (laughs) Yeah,
1: (laughs) Exactly. That's how I felt about it. Well, I don't watch Discovery yet because I'm saving it, but when when I get there, I assume it'll be kind of cringy based on what I've heard. Um, it,
0: yeah, it's it's like, OK, yeah, actually, when I first saw it, because uh, I don't I didn't know what Stacey Abrams looked like. I didn't even realize that's what happened until people freaked out later.
1: Oh, and isn't it the same as having like the lady who had been in space come on Star Trek, the first woman in space or whatever? Isn't it kind of the same thing, though?
0: No, I disagree. May okay. Jemison, because she's an astronaut, that is an apolitical position. Stacy Abrams is explicitly a political actor and like, you know, just because she is probably one of the people like most strongly credited with turning Georgia blue in the last election. Yeah. Uh she did a lot of the, the groundwork in in the push for uh getting uh Warnock and Ossoff uh, elected to the Senate mm-hmm. in the runoffs. So like, sh- you know, she's a very strong democratic operative, so that is explicitly partisan politics. So, but anyway, I said it was cringe. It doesn't matter too much.
1: Yeah. Have they ever had any other political people on any of the shows? I know they've had a lot of guest stars here and there, but have there ever been any other politicians?
0: Uh, They had the King of Jordan in an episode, but that's because he's a Star Trek fan. Uh, Well, Stacey Abrams is also a Star Trek fan, but um, I can't really think. Explicitly. They've had people visit behind the scenes. Like, later this season, Wesley gets promoted from acting ensign to full ensign. Mm
1: -hmm. And when
0: they did that, uh, Gene Roddenberry actually made a ceremony of it behind the scenes where he gave Wesley his uh, uh, Army Air Force um, Second Lieutenant uh, uh, Hmm. uh, 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 insignia. Because that's the equivalent from the the Army Air Force to an ensign in in the Navy. And they actually invited the current... Uh, the at time current uh, joint chief uh chairman of the joint chiefs who was Colin Powell. Oh. So he was there to watch Will Wheaton get uh uh Gene Roddenberry's bars. That's so interesting. Yeah. stuff like that but <laughs> yeah. uh in front of the camera can't think of many specifically political operatives. Okay. I was just curious. Yeah. We got two more paragraphs. So here we go. Perhaps what America lacks more than anything today is a shared set of strong stories that help explain our world. Even our entertainment is awash in bitter partisanship. It leaves Americans too few places to ponder their lives and communities outside the context of Red vs. Blue.
1: Some of us don't make everything about Red vs. Blue, though. Some of us just make it about views, you know?
0: Star Trek is one of a small handful of entertainment brands with the popularity, scope, and reach to be that shared story. But to do so, its creators must choose that universality over scoring cheap, predictable, and partisan political points. Dude, Star Trek is a communist future. There is an episode of Deep Space Nine where they literally quote Karl Marx. What are you talking about?
1: Money doesn't exist. I know. I know. (laughs) i think my favorite part of this entire article is at the bottom it says david marcus is a columnist living in new york city and the author of charade the covid lies that Crushed the nation
0: yeah that sounds about right yeah it does Anyway, I figured, you know, people were f- laughing at the uh, headline, but, you know, there's plenty to laugh at in the article itself, too. Especially spelling
1: Ron DeSantis' name wrong. Like I know. Isn't that they're like, God at this point?
0: Yeah. <laughs> at the time of recording, this was published May 14th. It's May 17th. This has been up for three days and nobody's caught that typo. Or bothered to fix it. Yeah. Which also tells you how few people actually read articles.
1: <laughs> True. Especially on Fox News. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So today we're going to talk about Evolution. It's the first episode of season three. I'm very excited. It first aired on the 25th of September, 1989. The teleplay was by Michael Piller. The story was by Michael Piller and Michael Wagner. And it was directed by Winrich Colby.
0: So uh, I would like to make a motion that we don't call him Dr. Paul Stubbs for the the rest of of us talking about this episode he's just dr kelso
1: (laughs) yes uh he's in my notes as dr kelso (laughs) yeah
0: it's just it's so hard to see him as any other character i love scrubs uh i've seen every season of scrubs except for the last season which doesn't count because it was supposed to be a spin-off anyway i've seen
1: it and it's awful
0: (laughs) i watched like two episodes and i said well uh, that's a spin-off i don't need to see Anyway, uh, so he is uh, aboard the Enterprise because they are studying like a um, a, there's like a a binary star system where one star is collecting material from the other star. And every like one hundred ninety six years, like clockwork, it explodes and it's like 18 hours away. So he's been preparing for like 20 years to study it. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. (laughs) um, Wesley. Has been doing a school project where he's working on nanites and seeing how they might interact with each other to increase their computing power. But he fell asleep while studying them, and they got loose.
1: He also has grown into a grown ass man in the last four months since the last episode <laughs> came out. He his face and stuff had changed a lot. I just wanted to point that out.
0: Um, also, uh, his mom's back. I know. I know.
1: <laughs> it was and so she's got happy. This
0: this really cute curly bob haircut and uh so she's cute. you know like i missed like there was a line she's like i missed about two inches of him
1: i know i know as a mom i was like oh <laughs>
0: and th- that's kind of a, a nice like I want to say, like, a C-plot running through it is just her, you know, because she's missed so much of him growing up and she, like, talks to Picard about how, how is he? Does his, Has he ever fallen in love? Which he has, but I don't think Picard watched that episode so he can't <laughs> even bring that up. Um, but she's just like, I don't know. He's just, like... He just seems like he's so serious all the time. And he's, you know, he's a boy. He's 17 years old. He should be getting in trouble and, and falling in love and, you know, doing all this stuff. But he just seems so serious and focused on his studies.
1: Well, here he created an entire species, Bev. He
0: creates <laughs> a new life. Uh, the nanites get loose and apparently they uh, the um, material that they use to reproduce themselves is in abundance in the computer core. So that's where they get stuck they don't realize that the nanites are loose at first. They just notice that all the ship systems are going haywire and they're like, Oh no, uh, something's wrong. We're about to like fall into the star. Uh, they keep having to reboot systems. They keep having troubleshoot. Meanwhile, Wesley hasn't told anyone about this. He's just kind of panicking like, Oh God, what do I do? Uh, he goes into ten forwards to set traps for the nanites and guyment like catches him there. Little mouse traps,
1: I know. Yeah. <laughs> they're like
0: little mouse traps and I'm just like, dude, they're nanites. You should probably do something more than that.
1: More than just these mouse traps. Yeah, I know.
0: Guinan, uh, you know, ha- uh, hears him out and uh compares him to Dr. Frankenstein. Mhm. Which, you know, he's like, okay. And then he goes <laughs> eventually goes and tells uh his mom they hold a uh, conference And Kelso is just like, well, I don't care about these nanites. They're not intelligent. That's impossible. Let's just destroy them and be done with it because I've got important research to be done. And um, it's also interesting because Kelso kind of takes a liking to Wesley. And Wesley is kind of the architect of like ruining his life's work. I know
1: I, I caught that too The The duplicity of that because he was like Oh do you know what a wonder is And I was like oh, are we going to remember that Wesley's special This season <laughs> after last <laughs> season And then he like wanted to rope him Into like being like him and then I Was like I think I wrote in my notes Okay so I got this is where I admit I left my notes At work <laughs> but I wrote in my Notes something like um, I bet he's gonna like Screw something up here and blame it on Wesley But in the end it ended up being Wesley And
0: um, there was actually as uh, as soon as he leaves that briefing um deanna uses her powers of deduction in like the most obvious way where she says uh, his nonchalance is studied in practice and then picard goes even i could tell that which is like yeah thank you you're so useless <laughs> deanna <laughs>
1: I know and when they write those lines in after she does her bit like I'm always like why are you, does the writers want to undermine Deanna like they could make her so powerful but they like to undermine oh yeah we know Deanna but if we get that really good line of turn your beam off into my soul or whatever that it was is a he good said line, that yes. was so funny. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they're studying the uh, the nanites in the computer core and they're trying to like get them off with like low level ganima bursts or something. And then uh, Kelso is like, well, a high gamma burst would do better. Like, well, that would kill them. He's like, I know. And then he like has programmed a phaser to shoot gamma burst. (laughs) And like he just shoots it at the computer core.
1: Yeah, I know. I was so pissed off. I was like, what the f I was just like, because why didn't they arrest him at that point? Not only did he kill, try, did he kill the nanites? He destroyed Federation property. Shouldn't he be in a brig somewhere?
0: Yeah, he uh, like, why? Why is he issued a phaser to begin with? He's not an <laughs> officer. He's not in Starfleet. He should not be carrying a weapon on uh, an ostensibly military vessel when he's a civilian attaché. Now he is a high-ranking Federation official, but that doesn't mean you get to just carry a gun on the ship
1: yeah and as soon as he shot it at their computer he should have been taken away to a cell (laughs) but that's just my
0: opinion (laughs) once he does that things escalate because the nanites are like oh no the humans have attacked us and so like they start trying to poison everyone on the bridge they change the uh the uh, environmental controls and stuff and they're like oh god okay we've things have escalated rapidly here and we got to find a way to you know either communicate with them or deal with them and data is like well i think i might be able to find a way to communicate with them and like picard is just about ready to be like okay no let's just flood the ship with gamma radiation to kill them when Data is finally able to make contact with them and he decides to serve as a conduit. He has them enter into him and take over him so that he can be an avatar for them. And it turns out, yeah, it was all just a misunderstanding. They didn't realize what they were doing was harming the ship. Yeah. And Kelso honestly gets off uh, pretty easy for having murdered a bunch of them when he knew that's what he was doing because it's, it's not like the, the nanites had the benefit of ignorance. They were freshly intelligent. They didn't realize what they were doing was harming everyone else. But, but Kelso deliberately murdered them. Yeah. At that point he knew he had been told these are potentially intelligent creatures. And he said, I don't care. And he shot them. He puts himself at their mercy and they're, you know, they, they forgive him, which is good of them. I guess. Very, I guess, uh, yeah. of, very big of them. And, uh, the, uh, ship, the Enterprise uh, uh, computer is back up and running and they're able to launch his uh, his little egg thing that he uses to study the um, the experiment. So uh, all's well that is well. Because that's what he
1: calls it, right? Is the egg? The and egg. I, so because he called it the egg and when they shot it into the star, I thought something was going to come out of it. I don't know. Like a new star? I don't know what I thought was going to happen, but because it was called an egg, I thought something else was going to happen. <laughs> I
0: think it was just because it was like egg-shaped. Oh, it, yeah. OK, that's why they called it that.
1: <laughs> um, so I think one of my favorite parts of this entire episode was Kelso's bridge roll. Like uh-huh. he was so dedicated to that bridge roll. That man threw himself across the room.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I was like, <laughs> um, I, I would say in contrast to that, when he's like lying in his quarters and then the nanites like go and shoot a lightning bolt at him that acting is the worst it was so he, bad like, was
1: it when he was visualizing statistics because boy do i have an opinion on that
0: oh, like, yeah <laughs> he was just playing playing like a, a, a uh um, on an mlb game in his head he's just reading off the statistics and then yeah he gets lightning shocked and like he just an arm shoots up in the air he like stands up and like raises his arms out <laughs> and then like the the like The security guard outside his quarters opens it and he just, like, kind of is standing at the door and then he falls into the guy's arms. None of it looked realistic. Like, obviously... And I I think the actor had said, he's like, oh, I have no idea anything what I was saying on that show. I I'm not a science fiction fan, so I just I didn't understand anything. And I'm just reading the lines here.
1: (laughs) That's really how it came off in a couple places, too. Like he like he understood the the human parts, like when he was talking to Wesley and that kind of stuff. But I could tell that he was a little bit out of his element. But maybe I felt that way because I know that actor so well. I mean, nine seasons of Scrubs and I've watched it. At least two or three times like I've mm-hmm. seen that guy act so much so I, I think that might have had something to do with it that I was like being super nitpicky but he was so he was such a Bob Kelso I didn't realize that man was just playing himself like <laughs> when he when he was on Scrubs Um, but yeah that was really bad and I'm really mad about the conversation about statistics because like Wes was like oh do you replay them in the holodeck which makes sense to a normal human being and yes. this guy's like no I just listen to the I think about the statistics and it's even better than hollow deck. No, it's not. You can't even that doesn't even tell you like who was swinging and who, you know, like or well, it tells you yeah. who was swinging, but it doesn't give you like whether, I guess maybe you know that as part of baseball statistics or like who was there or what the crowd was like or what the tension was like, and that's the part that's fun about sports. It's not the you statistics. Don't, you don't
0: get the yeah. ber, 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 <laughs> You don't get peanuts. Ber, ber, ber. Yeah. yeah. Um,
1: it's so funny because my, my my TA at my at my job, he went to the Mariners game last week and he and he mm-hmm. so he wasn't at school and it was part of like school. I mean, it was a field trip. But he comes in the next day and I was like, hey, how was the game? And he is like, so boring. I'm never going to a baseball game again.
0: <laughs> See, that's interesting because that's brought up in this show because uh, Kelso. Uh, brings up baseball to Wesley. And Wesley's like, yeah, my dad taught me when I was little. It's like, yeah, see, used to be the 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 pastime of the Americas, but uh, it was forgotten by a society that liked fast food and faster games. And What
1: that- in the heck makes him think that because we like fast food, we won't watch baseball? Baseball like, kind
0: I- of is, like, passe, though. Like, most people care more about football. That's um, true. I mean, like, like, I'll go to a baseball game, and half of that experience is just hanging out with friends. Um, Yeah,
1: I won't watch baseball on TV, but I'll go to, oh no, I almost said the Kingdome.
0: That's, uh, that's um, a little, I think you're, unless you're time traveling about 22 years, I don't think you can get to the kingdom.
1: So this was another um, species that meets humans and immediately insults us. So I appreciated that consistency. Yeah. <laughs> we weren't ugly bags of mostly water, but we were strange looking creatures. Um, so I appreciated that uh, a lot, actually. And then... Um, Oh, Guinan has a million kids. Not a million, but you know what I mean? Oh, that's right. Yeah, she said she had a
0: lot of kids, and she never had problems with any of them except one who refused to listen. And then uh, Beverly's like, well, that's normal. And she's like, no, not for a species of listeners.
1: Right. Yeah. And then we get that cute moment where Wes comes in and there's a bunch of younger kids and then Beverly's like, oh my God, he's with a girl. Oh my God, he has friends, which is the thing every mom does. And then he's like, oh my God, he's with a girl. Who is she? (laughs) Yeah. They're so perfect. Bev plays her, or uh, Gates McFadden plays her so good. Mm -hmm. I was so happy to see her back. I mean, I'm I'm sure you knew that was coming, though. You know, because I love, I loved her character and I was sad to see her go.
0: And they, I think they played it very well of addressing that she's been gone for a year and tying it in because it's a wesley focused episode but they're like well mm-hmm. if it's her first episode back let's give her a little to do and you know tie it in with wesley
1: yeah and i thought they did a good job with it like okay i was gone for a year i mean the one question that came up when she was asking all those questions about wesley was you left your 16 year old and you didn't have anybody that checked in with you occasionally to tell you how he was doing did you not zoom with him i mean like i'm I'm
0: sure she did but like there's a difference between zooming with someone and seeing someone in person like you're not gonna see you're not gonna see the height change and you know uh, trying to get information out of a teenager on a A teenage boy on the phone yes i know
1: yeah that's true (laughs) i don't know what i was thinking (laughs) Okay, so next we're going to talk about The Ensigns of Command. It is the second episode of the third season. It aired on the 2nd of October, 1989. It was written by Melinda M. Snodgrass, directed by Cliff Bowl And I don't understand the title.
0: So the title of this episode is from the poem The Wants of Man by John Quincy Adams. One of our president. Oh, the president. Okay. <laughs> in the context of this poem, the term ensign means a flag or symbol, not the Starfleet rank.
1: Oh, okay. That makes way more sense.
0: I was yeah. like, what? <laughs> and that was just me reading the, the bit from uh, Memory Alpha. So shall we begin?
1: That makes perfect sense. We shall.
0: So uh, in this episode, the Enterprise is alerted by an alien species called the Sheliac that... There is a human colony in their space that they're about to colonize so the Enterprise needs to get over there and evacuate them otherwise the Sheliak are just going to eradicate them when they get there.
1: They were very vogonish,
0: quite vogonish. With their yeah.
1: with their bureaucra bureaucracy, yeah. Uh.
0: Yes, they're a very bureaucratic species and the the Federation and the Sheliak have like a giant treaty that's like war and peace long.
1: 500,000 words, yeah.
0: So they're like, well, okay, let's uh, let's get over there. They uh, can't beam anyone out from the planet because there's like some radiation going on. And and also it's like deadly radiation. They're not actually sure how uh, anybody could survive there. So they like have data take a shuttle down to the planet. They never explain exactly how the the colonists survive it. They just mention, oh, we figured out how to deal with the radiation. But uh, that's fine.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I was okay to let it go. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> but uh, while uh, Picard is dealing with the Shiliac, uh, you know, saying, hey, like, you give us more time to evacuate these people and like dealing with all the bureaucracy and stuff. Data is down on the planet trying to convince these colonists that they didn't even know about until they got there. Uh, and hey, Data's
1: supposed to be there because he can withstand the radiation.
0: Correct. That's why But he's I didn't
1: understand that's... how if it messed with the computers on the on the ship, why it wasn't messing with Data.
0: Did they establish that it was messing with the computers on the ship?
1: It was like messing with the transporters. Well, it was and... messing with the
0: transporters, but that's because they had to send the beam through the radiation. That that was the uh, issue.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah,
0: he's well. So, no, he
1: said the phasers wouldn't work there.
0: That's true because that's another like beam energy beam that they'd have to. Send okay, through.
1: Yep. okay, that makes sense. So, I'm following now.
0: <laughs> yes. So Data goes and he, like, tries to tell the colony, yo, hey, uh, yeah, the, the Sheliak are gonna- coming and they're going to, like, wipe you all out if you don't get out of here. And, like, the leader of the colony, Goshevin, is just like, no, we've built this great city and we- we're going to protect it. And also, God, the voice for Goshevin, they dubbed it over in the worst possible way. Like they, was it they, a
1: dub? It I was trying was to dub. figure out why it sounded so bad.
0: It was a horrible dub. They got a different actor because they weren't satisfied with the voice that the original actor gave, but they didn't get some... They they could have tried a little harder to find somebody who at least matched what he looked like, and it was just awful, and it just yeah, every time I he talks, like it just takes you out of it. And I'm like, he should have just gone with the original voice. I don't care. They went with it because like, apparently the original voice just wasn't commanding enough. I think uh, Memory Alpha said he sounded a little too much like John Wayne or something. I don't... That doesn't sound, <laughs> I, I don't see why that's a problem. But. <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> so he gets down there and then he meets my new favorite Star Trek character, Artie.
0: Yes, who she's like, oh, I love you. You're an android and I'm kind of autistic and I don't like people so I'm going to i latch on to you.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, my notes say way up early. Data should marry her. <laughs> And then they ended up kissing twice. I was but so happy.
0: Data is running into the issue of like he doesn't understand why they aren't listening to him and he's realizing he's coming kind of coming up against like the the limits of his understanding of how to deal with people. Mm-hmm. Um and like he even talks to Riker, you know, like, like, look, I don't think I'm the person for the job. And and Riker's like, sorry, but like, we've got our own issues. We can't send anyone else down there. It's your job. You got to do it. And so uh, he uh, tries a couple different uh, tactics. He tries uh, some reverse psychology being like, yes. You should stay here and make your valiant stand, and your children will remember your heroic sacrifice for land. And then it was like, "What children? <laughs> oh, that's right, your children will be dead too. I guess nobody's gonna remember after all."
1: <laughs> I loved his. I loved his delivery of that whole speech, though. It was really good. Yeah, it was like so ham. Yeah, yeah.
0: And Goshavin's like, "Nice try, but I don't buy it." I'm go- every time I mention Goshavin, I'm going to give read his lines just horribly, but. <laughs> Uh, then he, like, starts meeting with people who are like, well, we don't agree with Goshevin. we uh, Let's try and, uh, you know, convince other people to maybe just develop a rival faction to challenge him. But then Goshevin shows up to the meeting, and he zaps Data with an electric cattle prod. And, <laughs> and um, kills
1: him, again.
0: Yeah, Data gets killed a lot in this show.
1: And he's like, I have been murdered. Okay, yeah, I know, for like the fifth time. <laughs>
0: the, the lady wakes him up, Uh. And, uh, you know, uh, he's feeling discouraged and she kisses him. And he's just like, why would you do that? And she's like, I don't know. It seems like the thing that you needed at the time. <laughs> and he even asks, he even goes through, there's so, there's multiple meanings for a kiss. Which one was it? And she's like, oh, it was a friendship thing. You, you it looked like you needed it in the moment when, in reality, I think she It was probably a little more She worse.
1: definitely liked him. She yeah. <laughs> liked
0: him. It was a little bit more than that. And at the end of the episode, he does reciprocate. But he says, you appeared to need it. But... <laughs> He realizes, okay, uh, all I've been using are words and actions speak louder than words for humans. So he decides, okay, well, phasers don't work, but if I take something out of my arm and stick it into the phaser, then it'll work.
1: And yes, so- he cannibalizes his own arm.
0: <laughs> so then he goes to the the town center where, where they've built their, like, uh, their prize aqueduct. And uh, he, like... Uh, stuns a couple of guards there and then he blows up the aqueduct and he's just like this was what one android with a hand phaser could do the sheliac there are hundreds of them and they will probably just bombard you from orbit you which need my to notes say up.
1: way early they're just gonna kill you from orbit yeah. what is this whole we'll stand against them crap you know <laughs> <laughs> and it's at
0: that point that that goshevan realizes yeah okay I, I better give up and meanwhile in space <laughs> Meanwhile, in space, space. (laughs) uh, Picard has been dealing with the Shiliac who are very obstinate about, you know, like, no, no, we can uh, broker no delay. We are already on our way and the human infestation cannot be on the planet when we get there. And And Picard
1: Picard did it, though, because he did exactly what he did when they were trapped in the bad novel. He read the whole thing until he found an answer.
0: (laughs) That's right. And his answer was, oh, we we can request third party arbitration. And so and since the the uh, the requirement uh, for a third party arbitration he can name who he wants to arbitrate he names a species that has like a six month hibernation cycle that they're current they just started and so <laughs> they'll have to wait six months for them to get over there so that they can arbitrate it's like what we can't we can't wait and he's like well then I guess I declare you in abeyance of the treaty they're like no 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 wait 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 <laughs> and like he even he h- hangs up on them and they like call him back and he takes a sweet time Like, he goes over. the best over and moment
1: like, in the entire sh- episode was when he goes over to the plaque and he's he like
0: Oh. dusts off the that's the, the top of the plaque and is just like, I'm enjoying this. Then he, then he answers, it's like, okay fine, you can have your three weeks until the, because the Federation, it, it'll take them three weeks to get a ship that can actually bring everyone over.
1: Right, because I looked up the the capacity of the Enterprise, it's 800 and something people so they weren't getting those 15,000 people on there. I
0: think it's a it's thousand people total like 150 crew and 850 passengers. Um, okay. Yeah so, no, you can't I mean, you could probably have people double up in, in crew quarters, but I don't think you could fit 15,000 people on that ship. No,
1: even if you put them like standing room only, I don't think you could fit 15,000 people.
0: <laughs> and also they had three days until the, the ship got there. And I don't think even with if the Enterprise used all its shuttles, I don't think you'd be able to even uh, reach ship's capacity in that time shuttling back and forth. It would just no. no, no, you need you need you need a better ship. A ship better equipped for that purpose than the Enterprise.
1: They spent a lot of time showing us that the teleporters weren't working or transporters weren't working, which I thought right. was weird.
0: Yeah, that was another side plot that uh, they he had assigned Geordi and Wesley to go work on the transporters to see. He's like, look, we, we need this as a as a as a backup option. Um And the the whole episode, they're just like using these like test canisters that are transporting them and they transport back like all half melted and everything. And then at the end of the episode, right after Picard has, you know, successfully gotten the three weeks, Geordi comes on the bridge He's like, Captain, I can do it. It'll take 15 years and it's a research (laughs) team of 100 people, but we can get it done. (laughs) And he's like, ah, never mind. Yeah. Thanks for all your help. (laughs) I feel like at that point that maybe you should probably send your research data to Starfleet HQ and have <laughs> them just have a team work on that just in the event in the future, the future. somebody else needs to beam through hyperonic radiation.
1: Because that would never happen again, right? Of course it's going to yeah. happen again.
0: Yeah. Especially because Jordy thinks, well, I-, I think it's doable. If it's doable then it would be good for federation starships to be equipped with transporters that can beam through hyperonic radiation. I just I don't
1: Even know. Even if you end up back at that same planet again cuz that yeah. happens, you know, 500 years from now maybe the the fake Armist people they really looked like Armus to me, <laughs> but like a little <laughs> bit evolved cuz they had like a sheet that they were behind, that they were uh-huh. wiggling behind. Uh, anyway. Um so the in the, like 500 years from now when the fake Armist people have uh, abandoned that planet, like what if we need to go down there because there a few human survivors still down there or something that we need to go get like having this information would be good you know like i I agree with you on that um one of the best moments too i mean i love the wiping of the plaque but there was also that point when they're over on the celiacs. it's not celiac it's sheliac right um over on their ship and then they decide they don't like their offer so they beam them back to the um to the bridge Thank you. They beam them back to the bridge. And um, they're like, oh, I guess they hang up on us again, Riker says. <laughs>
0: <was> oh. like, <laughs> and there was even um, uh, the, the bookends of the show. Um, the, the show starts with Data doing a string quartet in 10, cor- in, in ten forward. And he sees that uh, uh, Picard and Beverly are there and he's like, you might want to skip to the second performance where somebody else will be on first violin uh, because uh, the the other team, the, the, the other members of the quartet have told me that uh, my performance lacks soul. And they're like, well, Data, come on, don't don't sell yourself short. And also, like, you, you know, don't don't uh, undermine, you know, your performance before you even get there, because it could, you know, uh, have people lose faith in your abilities yeah. Um, which kind of ties into you know data experiencing doubt with uh what he's able to accomplish by convincing goshevin to uh evacuate the colony and even at the end of the episode picard's listening to a recording of data's performance and he's like oh, data it's very good and data's like well it's not my performance i base it on these two other violinists and Picard's like but you picked those violinists and they have radically different styles and techniques and you merge them together. Is there nothing of data in what I'm hearing? He points out, like, no, I think there's a little more to you than you're giving yourself credit for here.
1: I think that's humans putting human feelings on robots, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it reminded me of people like pack bonding with their Roombas. Like, I mean, data is there and he's really interesting.
0: <laughs> Listen, my robot, my Roomba's name is Bartholomew and he's a cute little boy and I love him
1: bartholomew that's amazing i think i knew that but i had forgotten (laughs) so there's two things that came up speaking of woke things in star trek in this episode one is the exact quote is things can be replaced lives cannot yes i said that exact quote not knowing i was quoting data about 500 times during the uprising in 2020 um Mm -hmm. because Things can be replaced. People who have been murdered cannot, you know? Yes. And so I I definitely picked up on those vibes. But I also got a lot of... COVID vibes from this episode like Goshevin was out there saying he said something like well 10 in 1 say there's not even a threat Data says because Goshevin's out there teaching them there's nothing going on here because he's like oh there's nothing going on here and he's like so 10 out of the 100 I've talked to don't even think there's even a threat and I was like oh my god Yeah, Yeah. I know and when at one point one of the guys says Goshevin doesn't speak for all of us and I was like yeah not my president get it I'm here with (laughs) you you know like and I I just I just thought it was so interesting those parallels between covid and wokeness and all the stuff that's gone on in the last couple of years for them to be down there on that thing like we're well we we built this country so we're going to stay here and nothing can happen to this country it's too powerful that was kind of the attitude you know and i was like yeah well that's what gets you killed you know <laughs> and if and i just thought it was really an interesting parallel both of those things i was like and it's so interesting because we talked about the woke episode or the woke article at the beginning of this episode and to me it's so interesting because those things both were very strong like you know just because you can't see the threat it's there i mean it takes data a while to figure out he has to say they're going to nuke you from orbit if you don't do something but once he says that then it's like oh yeah maybe we should do something and plus he blows up their aqueduct, so how are they gonna you know get water but (laughs) he kind of like forced their hand a little bit too but i i i just saw those parallels and i was like because it would be so stupid to just be like well we built this so we're staying here no matter what even if there's a threat to our livelihood it just i was like yes that sounds so much like well we want to go get our hair cut because it doesn't matter if COVID exists and i'm not going to wear a mask while i do it either why would i wear a mask to protect other people like i don't know it just really reminded me of the last two years
0: yeah so um did you notice that Wesley only had one line in this episode?
1: Oh did he? No, I think I was too busy thinking about how it was such a cool data episode. What was his line?
0: Uh he was working with Jordy. He said he wants the impossible, and then Jordy replies that's the short <laughs> definition of captain. Yeah, that, it- that was a great line. But here's the problem. So uh when Manda was on the show, um uh, like two seasons ago uh she brought up issues that uh Will Wheaton had with uh being scheduled uh when they didn't have anything for him to do and oh. uh, he was uh that summer uh cast for uh Milos Forman's movie Velmont and it was scheduled to the shooting was scheduled to go into the first week of shooting for TNG and this was actually the first episode filmed they filmed uh Evolution after this one Okay. even though Evolution was going to be the first one. And Wesley was like, well, there's nothing for me in that script, so there shouldn't be a scheduling conflict. Uh, but then they were like, well, no, 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 actually, uh, well, we need you to come back in so you can't do Valmont because we've actually got a very important scene between you and your mother that will, you know, build up your relationship there. And there wasn't a scene. They lied to him. They were just telling him, you can't build your career. You belong to us.
1: Uh, so yeah, so that's he couldn't do this
0: movie. He had to drop out, come back for an episode where he had one line that could have been given to O'Brien. Right, because he was standing right there, wasn't he? O'Brien... O'Brien's in the episode and he doesn't have any lines. Yeah. But but like he's, you know, uh, it, it's not like O'Brien is a non-speaking extra. He gets lines all over the place. Could have just given it to him. Wesley could or Will Wheaton could go and do a movie and work on his film career more. But no, they're like, no, we don't. Mm, we don't like that. We don't like you trying to branch away from us you belong to us and that's do we know oh, who
1: was leading this charge against wesley's career or was well, it just I kind of like a general Rick Berman. i
0: assume yeah it was Rick Berman. um yeah but anyway uh that was a big contributor to uh will wheaton leaving the show next season
1: they're already kind of like hinting at it i feel like because they said something like well i get my hours here on the enterprise i think in the first episode yeah. but it's not the same experience as being at starfleet
0: they had always written in a very obvious out for his character. And I honestly don't know how they would have handled it had Will not left the show, had he stayed on all seven seasons. Because like Was at, he just at some gonna point, be
1: an ensign? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Were they just <laughs> going to be like, Okay, I guess you don't have to do Starfleet Academy. You've gotten enough experience credits just on the ship that you can bypass that and you're just part of the part of Starfleet now. And I mean they they do eventually do somewhat of that because uh, Picard decides he's no longer an acting ensign and actually just gives him a field commission to a full ensign, mm-hmm. which, you know, lasts until he leaves the show, uh, you know, some maybe like half a season later. But uh, at any point, it's. I don't know if he wants if he's got his focus so much on going to the Academy, it does kind of undermine that if their plan was that he would just never go to the Academy and would stay on all seven seasons.
1: I don't I don't maybe they didn't know because maybe they were just maybe they didn't for one thing, maybe they didn't know it was going to last as many seasons as it did. Uh But yeah, I can see where like the obvious answer for Wesley is that he's going to leave and go to Starfleet, you know. Plus, he's going to turn into an adult man that wants to do things on his own and not just hang out on a starship with his mom, you know, Uh as as Bob Kelso said. I don't know if I'd want to fly through space with my mother. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, I mean, I I was happy to see Will like there. I I, I don't know. I put on Facebook when I was watching the episode because there was a point right like right when. At the beginning of the first episode when he's interacting with beverly where he just looks so happy that she's there you know Uh and i was like yeah me too wesley um but i had that in the back of my mind a little bit the like kind of mistreatment of will in the back of my mind a little bit i had the you know shut up wesley thing in the back of my head Uh and i can't remember why i think it was the nanites episode and then i didn't even think about him in the second episode but i had this like they're kind of treating him bad you know, like kind of feeling and it just so I was—I happened to be thinking about what like the shut up Wesley and the negative way that he was treated. And I had forgotten about them trying to screw with his career. But no wonder he had a rough go of it during all this. You know what I mean? He's also a kid that's developing. My favorite term for teenagers is emerging adults. And it's like uh-huh. he's still trying to become a human being, you know, the cookie dough not cooked yet. And he's going through way more stress than I have to go through on a daily basis. You know, it's just it's I kind of get it. Like, I kind of get why Will is kind of like distant from Star Trek now. At least that's what it feels like to me.
0: Well, I mean, he's running the Ready Room, which is the after-show for all of Star Trek. It feels like he's very much uh, in uh, involved in Star Trek uh, these days. And he's he's you know he's a big Trekkie himself. Like every time I'm forgetting about the
1: Ready Room. (laughs) Every
0: time I watch the Ready Room, he is so excited to be talking about what he just saw. So like, no, he he is a genuine fan. He just had issues with the, the producers. And, um, I think he actually talked about how he loved playing Wesley Crusher. He just wasn't able to appreciate it at the time.
1: Right. One of those things you appreciate a little bit when you're older, a little bit more.
0: I mean, one of Will Wheaton's like big, you know, coming back to prominence, like as a, a geek icon was when he was writing a blog where he reviewed every episode of the next generation. And I even oh, remember interesting. there was an episode, uh, I, I think next season, where like he gets a, a holographic message from his dad. And oh,
1: I'm looking forward he, to that. <laughs>
0: and, and he described how uh, in the mo- like watching that episode, he was like, they gave me a beautiful scene and I was an 18 year old asshole who couldn't care less about what I was doing. I was didn't want to be there. I just wanted to go to the beach with my friends and I just shat all over this beautiful script for me and I should have done better. And uh That's such
1: an adult response. Yeah. Yeah. That
0: (laughs) just that's always stuck with me, the the you know, uh Will Wheaton looking back at his performances and going, I could have done better. I should have done better. Um, Right. But yeah, but he knew he wasn't
1: into it at the time because they're sabotaging his career. You know, they're kind of writing him weird. We we've talked about this at length, but I think last season they did not treat Wesley well. I felt like they just kind of forgot he had this chosen one trope on his back, you know, and just was Mm -hmm. like, oh, he's just the kid, you know. Um, So I get it, and and for me, my most recent. Interaction with will wheaton that isn't we're watching tng for this podcast has been the reading of ready player one so and so that was what in my mind was like well it feels like he's moved on from star trek but i forgot about the ready room and you've told no, me about it before but i just no, he, forgot about it
0: he loves star trek actually it's funny because his wife Anne couldn't care less about star trek which honestly probably is the best thing for him like if he's gonna get married to somebody probably best it's not a trekkie I I always
1: find it so weird when people do that. They marry some huge ass fan, you know, like it's weird to me.
0: Yeah, that, that way you ensure that it's there's no parasociality going on. It's like, no, no, like she loves me for me, not because I was on a TV show. She doesn't care about the TV show.
1: Right. Yeah. So I think that's everything for today. Thanks for joining us. I'm Ari. And I'm Gayfesh. And until next time.
0: Live long and prosper.
1: Thanks for listening.
0: If you enjoyed it. Don't forget to subscribe and consider writing a review in your podcast service. We're on Twitter at Rest Both Worlds. Join our Patreon at patreon.com slash Worlds for bonus content and hear your name at the end of each episode.